low. Only rushes two. And this is intercepted. Gaddafi right. And Buffalo has its third defensive touchdown of the night. The Huskies hung with the Buffalo Bulls early, but five turnovers in the second half led to NIU's ultimate demise. A pair of late touchdowns by backup quarterbacks brought the final score to a respectable 49-30. NIU is going to look to redeem themselves when they take the field at Husky Stadium again this week when they face the defending division champions in the Central Michigan Chippewas on Wednesday night. Hi everyone, this is James Krause and joining me again is Mike Knapp for the Red Black Football Podcast. And Mike, uh, a lot to discuss and, and the big story coming out of Buffalo, a game that honestly, when you look at the stat lines, it looks like it should have been a lot closer, but unfortunately turnovers played a huge part uh, in the final result of this one. Well, you're talking a 21-16 game at, at halftime and then uh, Buffalo blows it open with, uh, you know, two fumble returns for, for touchdowns and then um, they forced NIU into a three and out and then came back and scored again. So they hung 21 points up in about two minutes, uh, maybe two, two and a half minutes in the third quarter and, uh, you know, completely blew the game open. So a uh, lot to work on this weekend, um, a lot to build on too. So we'll see what uh, they'll have, what the Huskies will have for Central Michigan next Wednesday night. Here's a summary of those, by the way. Bowers had a fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, Ross Bowers, the quarterback, then Aaron Collins in his first game as a Husky uh, after getting his first rushing touchdown, had a fumble returned for a touchdown. Uh, Rondarius Gregory uh, had a fumble that ended potential scoring drive for NIU, got into field goal range. In the fourth quarter, Bowers' final play of the game was an interception that was returned for a touchdown. Then finally, uh, a fumble late uh, with only seconds remaining on the clock, didn't play a factor in the final score. Uh, How important... Are those turnovers beyond, of course, the, 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 the momentum of the game and spotting Buffalo 21 points? Is this something that should be a concern for them moving forward? Well, it's certainly something that they have to address. Uh, you, I mean, it all comes down to the fact that you can't turn the ball over five times against a team, uh, the caliber of Buffalo, without having to pay for it. And that's what happened. I mean, Buffalo comes in as the uh, – odds on favor to to win uh, the MAC championship. And they showed on both sides of the ball that they've got that potential to, uh, you know, live up to those expectations. And so, yeah, I mean, taking care of turnovers, taking care of the football, uh, doing, you know, the little things. And, and that's one thing that um, Coach Hammock talked about was just the attention to detail and just that attention to detail and, and, you know, I, I look at a couple of those mistakes, I think were just youth and inexperience. Uh, you know, you, you take Collins fumble, but, but then you have Ross Bowers, a guy who's in his now sixth year of playing football. And, uh, you know, he made a couple of mistakes that you just can't, you know, your quarterback can't send two touchdowns the other way. They just can't do that. And so they certainly have a heck of a lot to work on um, between now and next Wednesday. It was something that was talked about a lot in the build-up to the game and certainly build-up to the season is NIU trying to bring their own energy. Well, a good way to have the energy totally come out of a team is to give up two easy touchdowns like they did. And uh, they seemed to get their wind back. On They were having a pretty good drive 
in the fourth quarter and then Bowers threw that interception. And from there, uh, it, it seemed that they just went into, I don't want to say shutdown mode because they did bring a lot of fight uh, still late. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But first I want to talk about uh, maybe the brightest spot of the game for NIU. With the turnovers aside, the Huskies defense locked down in the second half. Uh, they gave up two pretty easy touchdowns in the first quarter uh, and then a long touchdown run to Jared Patterson, who had in total here 137 yards, but most of that coming in the first half. Uh, what changes do you think led to uh, the defense getting better and, and what should give people hope in this defense moving forward? Well, I think one thing about the defense is they were a lot better. The defensive line played a lot better in the second half. I thought, like you said, Patterson had a huge first half, wasn't a big factor. And, of course, he uh, came out early in the fourth quarter and, and uh, sat the rest of the night out. So you have to take that in consideration a little bit. But, uh, you know, when you look at how he ran the ball and how well he ran the ball in the first half, and then in the second half, you saw a lot of guys swarming to the football and you saw a lot of guys, um, you know, making some good plays at the line of scrimmage or, uh, you know, just a couple yards past. Whereas in the first half, Patterson was getting through that first line and getting four or five yards into the defense before he got hit. And he was getting hit a lot sooner. And the other guys were all getting hit a lot sooner um, in the second half. And it seemed like the adjustments that they made and, and, uh, and maybe it's just uh, learning on the fly, as we talked about last week, uh, they made some adjustments and some of the young players, I mean, five first-year players on the defensive side of the football in the starting lineup. And so, you know, they're going to have, uh, they're going to have to learn on the fly. And it seemed like they, they did. And then veteran leadership, I mean, Nick Rutain, uh 10 tackles, he picked up where he left off from last year. Um, Lance DeVoe playing his first game in, in almost two years and he played really well. So, you know, there, there were some real bright spots on the defense. And, you know, we, we could probably talk about this later, too. But Coach Hammock also said, um, you know, the biggest improvement of a team is between week one and week two. And so um, I'm anxious to see what that difference is and what that improvement is going to look like. Yeah, NIU unfortunately had some difficulties uh, early. Their defense was kind of backed up with some bad starting uh, field position. That first drive, Buffalo only took three plays to march about 50 yards uh, because of, a, a, unfortunately, a bad first offensive possession. And then an onside kick that uh, NIU tried to catch Buffalo off guard with, unfortunately set up another uh, pretty easy drive for Buffalo. Like you said, they got the holes uh, blocked up in the second half, and uh, – they were able to get to the quarterback a little bit in the first half, uh, and that led to uh, the first turnover that NIU forced this year. That's when uh, uh, Jordan uh, Hansen got a recovery – or sorry, got an interception. He also picked up four solo tackles in his, his first college game, so that's pretty good. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the defense in just a second uh, when we talk to Weston Kramer. Uh, but lastly, just to kind of put a cap on the Buffalo game, it's easy – to look at the five turnovers and they certainly can't be overlooked. We, it's hard to say if you factor out the turnovers that this is a closer game because, well, when there's five of them, it's kind of hard to, to not pay attention to them. Uh, but the offense, when they did get backups into the game, were able to be pretty efficient. Who, who's the guy, not just from the, the backups who got to play late, 
who stood out to you most on the offense? So the combination of, uh, you know, Harrison Whaley and Aaron Collins, you know, 29 carries for about 115 yards. So I thought they played really well. I mean, turnovers and, and mistakes aside, um, I thought they played really well. Bowers looked a little more comfortable, even though he's not all the way there yet. He looked a, a little bit more comfortable. But the guy who really, uh, you know, impressed me was um, Trey Rudolph, a true freshman wide receiver. He, uh, you know, had two catches for 56 yards. But I think his value to the team this year might be in kick returns. Uh, you know, he, he had five of those. He averaged over 30 yards a return. And looks like he could be a real playmaker for the team. And especially when you look at playing um, into November and December and playing in some bad weather games and things like that, he's going to get a lot of chances to return kicks, I would bet. And so, you know, look to him to be, uh, you know, a factor in the return game in, uh, in the coming weeks. Both of the backup quarterbacks, or the, the next two on the depth chart at least, got touchdowns late in that game. Uh, Andrew Hayden had a, a goal line QB sneak, and Ronnie Thompson, uh, the soft, redshirt sophomore, also got a touchdown run. Interesting stat that came out about Rudolph from NIU Athletics last year. NIU only got 141 uh, return yards. Mm-hmm. Rudolph topped that in one game. It's like, welcome to college football. You are, right. you, you've added a whole new element uh, to this team. He led the team overall in uh, all-purpose yards, 207 uh, for the game. And as for uh, Harrison Whaley, as you mentioned, that was a guy Thomas Hammock uh, earlier today in our, our uh, weekly press conference said, we got to get the ball to that guy more. So you look back to last year, and really there was no return game. It seemed whether that mandate came down from the coaching staff or, or what the deal was. Uh, if you remember, they were – you know, more than content with going with a fair catch and taking the ball at the uh, 25-yard line. So, you know, to have a guy back there that can change the game, um, add some excitement, and, and, you know, talks about bringing their own juice, there's nothing like bringing juice and a hundred and some plus yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, that can swing games big time. And I think that he's got that, that capability of really – uh, you know, popping a couple of these between now and the end of the season. They're about to play a Central Michigan team who gave up a 93-yard kick return touchdown uh, in their opening contest against Ohio. We're going to talk about the Central Michigan game and a whole lot more when we talk to this week's guest. It's redshirt senior defensive lineman, Weston Kramer. We're going to talk to him about CMU, about the, the young defensive team he's working with, and a whole lot more. And we'll get to that right now. Joining me now on the Red Black Football Podcast, defensive tackle Weston Kramer. Uh, Weston, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so I wanted to start with the Buffalo game uh, Wednesday night. The defense really held their own, but uh, some struggles on the offensive side with keeping the ball uh, really made it tough for the Huskies. What are the conversations like on the sideline for a defense when the offense is struggling in the, in the way they were on Wednesday? You know, I mean, it's always hard when you're on defense and seeing stuff like that happen. But when we were on the sideline, you know, some guys would get down. But we would just tell these – I would tell these guys, you know, we got control. We can control as a defensive unit and go out and play football and do what we do. And that's all you can do, control what you can control. 
Uh, this is a really different defensive line this year. You've got a uh, hope I'm getting the names right. Pierce Appoing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Demond Taylor Jr. I hope I'm yep. saying Demond right. Uh, yep. And Rasheen Thomas as the starters. Uh, very different in terms of, I guess, experience, obviously, but that goes, I guess, for a lot of the team. In terms of the playing style for this year's front four, how would you describe it as, as the veteran of the group? You know, these young guys, they have come out and they're, they're very physical. You know, we're still working on them with their techniques and fundamentals, but they've gone a long way since they first got here. And I think they're all doing pretty well. They're doing their jobs and they're getting stuff done. Uh, after the Buffalo game, one of the things uh, that Coach Hammock talked about was tackling. You guys obviously had to uh, face a pair of really good backs in uh, Kevin Marks and Jared Patterson. Uh, is tackling the thing you think that uh, is going to be preached upon going into this Western Michigan game, or is there something else uh, that the defense is really looking to clean up? Yeah, I mean, going to, going into Central Michigan, I mean, all we always got to – tackling is – that's what we do as a defense. So that's always going to be a main component of what we focus on. Um, it, we're going to probably – this is another good back, so we're probably going to have to focus on stopping the run a lot again. Uh, I've watched them film. They do they do some pass, so we're going to focus on stuff like, like that too. But, yeah, tackling is always a big component. You guys were able to rush uh, Kyle Van Trees a lot in that game, but weren't able to get a sack out of it. Uh, you're going to be facing a redshirt freshman quarterback uh, this week in Richardson. Do you think that uh, there's a different approach uh, facing someone who's on the younger side and kind of sending him multiple looks and, and getting him uh, off his game in terms of uh, uh, focus? Um, I'm not really sure yet. We haven't really gone into any of game plan or anything like that today uh, yet. We're going to go into it probably a little bit of today. But um, I'm sure we'll be trying to throw stuff at him because he's a younger quarterback. Do you think that the, the priority for the defensive line moving forward after that first game where you guys got close but couldn't quite secure a tackle, do you think getting sacks and, and getting big chunk uh, losses uh, is going to be a priority in this game and, and any game moving forward? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if, if you make big, sack, big plays in the D-line, sacks, TFOs, those, those are always huge for, you know, just momentum of the team. And uh, just those are big plays that are need to be made to have a, a, a superior defense. <clears throat> and then last question. I know last week on our, our program, we talked a lot about the MAC title game in 2018 because it was the first meeting with Buffalo. People are talking about it in a different sense on Twitter. Uh, right before the season started, the MAC posted again, uh, the gift-worthy split that you did right after the Buffalo game in 2018. What's the secret? How does a, a 6'1", 290 lineman do the splits? Is there a technique? Is there skill involved? What, how do you do it? I don't know. I just, I'm able to do it. I'm just naturally flexible. I'm able to do it. There's not really a skill, you know. I'm just flexible. <laughs> I was going to ask also, is that uh, something that you're able to do a lot? Like, is that something you you like practiced or anything or was that something that was kind of spur of the moment after the game oh oh after the game after that uh you know we, we were just joking around and saying i should do it and i i just did it <laughs> after that game well maybe if you guys get to detroit again maybe you'll break it out for the second time in your career uh that'd most be, likely that'd most be pretty likely. amazing Weston, yeah, thanks, most for, thanks for joining us on the show and uh best of luck to you guys this week against central michigan thank you
That was Weston Kramer talking to us about uh, what he thinks about the defensive line's performance against Buffalo. Uh, and one thing that, that kind of stood out when looking at the, the stat lines at the end of the game, a big missing piece that we're used to seeing NIU teams having are sacks and getting to the quarterback a lot more than they did. Um, mm-hmm. And against the Central Michigan team that's got a redshirt freshman in at quarterback in Daniel Richardson, uh, that could be a, a huge game-breaking factor if they can get to the quarterback some more. Uh, what should be a, a reasonable goal for this defensive line against Central Michigan? Well, you, you look at, um, you know, you look at uh, Richardson. I'm looking his stats up. He put the ball up 41 times uh, Wednesday night, so uh, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to get back to him. I think in, uh, you know, Wednesday night in that, you know, it seems like Central Michigan might be a more uh, pass-happy team. I mean, that 41 attempts was far and away the most in the league. So it looks like that Richardson is the guy that the Central Michigan is going to look to as a, as a focal point. But you can't forget they also had a 100-yard rusher in um, Kobe Lewis. So, you know, it looks like they have a bit of a two-pronged attack, but I expect to see them throwing the ball a lot on, uh, on Wednesday night, especially uh, against a, a team that is so young in the secondary. Yeah, Lewis got 112 yards, but that came on 28 rushes, and it makes me think that maybe Central Michigan's going to feel a little more comfortable going to their passing game, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really it's tough to, to pull out of fate in a, a redshirt freshman quarterback. Uh, he did do a decent job. He got a touchdown, 243 in yards, uh, 23 for 41 in pass attempts, uh, and we could see some, some new pieces on the defensive line. Uh, one of the people that uh, Thomas Hammock praised this week uh, was James Esther. And he said, if there are gonna be any changes to the lineup, uh, we, we might see it uh, with Esther getting the nod to start alongside uh, Weston Kramer. Well, and putting, you know, and I wanted to mention this earlier, I mean, putting as many guys into the game as, as possible um, is really critical. I mean, last week we talked about uh, COVID and its possible effects. And, uh, you know, Coach Hammock said he put the both backup quarterbacks in uh, on Wednesday night because he said, you know, at some point, uh, you never know, you might have to go with one of them if, uh, you know, there's some sort of COVID issue with the team. And and he really wanted to get them in and get it some snaps. And I know it was against, um, you know, probably Buffalo's second team as well, but they both looked really good. Um, moving the ball down the field, and I, I really liked Thompson and, and his uh, dual threat uh, sort of thing. I, I think he reminds me a lot of Marcus Childers, who, you know, I really, I really liked. I thought, you know, Childers, of course, um, was a big factor in the team's success last year for the times he did get to touch the ball, but I think um, having a guy back there who can run it and throw it, run the read option, and do the different things to keep the defense guessing is, is something that uh, could prove valuable for the team down the road. I, I thought the same thing you did. I thought, wow, Rodney Thompson is a guy that they can kind of put in the Marcus Childers role in terms of bringing him in every now and then and have him really uh, break open, open some big plays. Uh, this was a game last year that got out of hand very quickly to transition to preparing for the Central Michigan game. They got yeah. down, uh, you know, double digits early uh, through just a few mistakes. And, and it's a similar thing to what we saw last week. 
how do you think they're going to prepare to sort of not have it kind of snowball and, and uh, get really out of hand? And do you think there's a way to prevent that? Well, you, I, I think you got to come out and even if you don't score, um, you have to come out and control the clock a little bit. You have to use some clock in those first couple drives. Even if it doesn't result in anything, part of the problem that they got into last year against Central was they, they had so many three and outs to start the game, and Central was then turning those into touchdowns. So I think if they can come out and, uh, you know, they had a nice drive uh, in um, first time they touched the ball on uh, Wednesday, and, you know, Josh Richardson uh, kicked a 43-yard field goal to get them on the board, but, you know, they had the ball for almost eight minutes. Um, on that drive to start the game and that's what they need to come out and do on Wednesday as well is they need to come out with a good seven eight even nine minute drive just to uh, you know just not let that snowball form that it did last year with three and outs that Central was immediately turning into big plays and touchdowns. They had uh, in the fourth quarter against Buffalo this was after uh, I believe the uh, interception touchdown return uh, by the Bulls, a seven-minute, 11-second drive. That's pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten something like that maybe earlier in the game, that'd be, that would have been uh, probably better for them. But I think they do need to finish up with points on some of those drives, and they did on that particular drive uh, with the goal line rush from Hayden, as I mentioned. Going and, and kind of transitioning back to our, our, another question going into this week, not great stuff from Ross Bowers, nothing particularly – uh, look poorly at outside of of course the the fumble and the interception do you think he's the offensive player that that really needs to step up in week two because I think there easily could be uh, some other candidates as well he needs time to throw I mean we can we can criticize his turnovers and stuff like that because yep. he's an experienced guy and he shouldn't make those mistakes but and it's the case of of last year too they need to give him time to throw I mean one play that really uh, sticks out to me is um, when he had time to throw and he hit uh, Rudolph over the middle for like a 30-yard gain. And I mean, you know, that was that was what Ross Bowers can be. You know, I mean, he had time to throw. He stood in the pocket. He stepped up and he just delivered a bullet in a, in the middle of the zone that uh, that Rudolph got to, uh, you know, catch and run. And that's the other thing that we really didn't see a lot of Wednesday was um, a lot of catching and running on the part of the receivers. And um, hopefully that opens up a little bit as well, but yeah, Bowers, I mean, he, he's gotta, you know, he's gotta start getting it done. Yeah. Bowers was sacked three times for a loss of 18 yards against Buffalo. And that's going against a central Michigan team that really got uh, to Ohio's quarterback, Curtis Rourke uh, in their game. Uh, even in the limited dropbacks that Rourke had. So it'll be interesting to see how Bowers can do if the offensive line uh, can really bring their A game, I guess, as I mentioned. One guy I'm going to be looking at also, because I don't feel we got a a great look at him in the Buffalo game, Mm -hmm. uh, is Aaron Collins. He got pulled after, I believe it was, it was either his fumble or it was the uh, interception thrown by Bowers. Uh, But we didn't see a lot of him uh, late in the game, and uh, I, I think 
as someone who Hammock pointed out and said, he's going to be better with volume. If we, if we get him more touches, uh, he's going to get stronger as the game progresses. Maybe if they do that against Central Michigan and they can stay in that ball game, we're going we're gonna to be able to see uh, for ourselves. Well, and another guy we haven't mentioned yet is Tyrese Ritchie. You're talking about a guy who's, who's a senior, knows what's going on, career high in, in catches and yards, so nine for 106. You're, you're uh, right, but, actually. I'm surprised we've gotten this far in the show and we didn't talk about that. You're right. Yeah, and then he had uh, he had 19 yards, uh, 13 yards rushing. Let me, you know, these stat, these stat sheets are always funny. So, but, you know, he had a nice run on a, on a reverse and, and so he's stepping forward as, as a potential playmaker. And there are just a lot of guys, I think, that, uh, that Coach Hammock can get the ball to now in, in situations that maybe just weren't available as much last year just due to, um, you know, not having depth. And, of course, then you have Cole Tucker, who really had uh, a quiet night, but he did score a touchdown and, um, you know, is going to be a factor in the receiving core. So, you know, you, you've got some dynamic rushers in the in the uh, backfield. You have some, um, you know, seniors and, and consistent players as receivers. And now with Rudolph, you have a playmaker, um, you know, that, that really allows you to open up the playbook that maybe couldn't be done last year. And, and that may be what will help this team score more points. Because last year, I, I think uh, it was really a lot – like watching the Bears, you know, it's it's scored just enough points to win and hope the other team doesn't score more points. I mean, that that's how the Bears um, seem to operate now. You know, they try and score 20, 22, 23 points and then hold the other team uh, down, which they can because they've got a great defense. But, um, you know, I thought NAU was a little bit like that last year where, where it was, you know, get into the high teens, low 20s and points and then just try and stop the other team. And a lot of times that didn't work, but, you know, hanging 30 points up um, is promising for a first game. So, uh, you know, 30 points has really got to be the goal every game because looking at the scores in the MAC this, uh, you know, this past week, I know there's going to be some adjustments and teams are going to get better, but it looks like it's a little bit wide open, a, a of a conference offensively where you're going to have to score a lot of points to be successful. Richie career highs, nine catches, 106 yards. And after the game, even despite the turnovers, he said, Hey, our, uh, our passing game is on point. Our running game is on point. They just got to clean up the little things. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that and a little bit more to close out. But first here's the three and out. First three West division teams from the mid American conference won their crossover battle with the Eastern Division, CMU being one of them heading into their game against NIU. The other two, Western Michigan and Toledo, will meet in Kalamazoo on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on ESPN. The winner will emerge with at least a share of first place in the division. Second, there's a new number one team in college football, and it's the Alabama Crimson Tide. They take over the top spot after Clemson's loss Saturday in overtime to Notre Dame. Notre Dame will take second. Clemson falls to fourth. Ohio State stays at third. And finally, CMU's 30-27 win over Ohio made headlines not just for what we saw on the field, but what we couldn't see on the field. A power outage caused the lights to go out at Kelly Short Stadium in Mount Pleasant late in the second quarter and forced an early halftime with the power finally being restored 
After approximately 20 minutes, the reason for the outage is still unknown. The Central Michigan Chippewas, uh, they come into Husky Stadium Wednesday night, 7 p.m. That's going to be on ESPNU. What are your expectations going into that game? Uh, do you think that they still have a fighting chance uh, in that contest? Because I know last year they we thought they would, and it came out uh, not looking pretty for them. Well, it's it's tough on the road when you when you get down early. Even if it's just forget what happened to them. Even if it's just a touchdown or two, um, you know. So maybe they got to flip the script this year and put a couple of touchdowns on the board early, which was. Um, a big struggle uh, last year. So, you know, I, I think they just have to come out with a completely different game plan and, and they've got to execute it, uh, you know, against the Chippewas. And one thing I mentioned uh, in my column, which, uh, you know, you should check out the northernstar.info for um, a couple of things that I wrote and a couple of things, excellent things that James wrote, but um, one thing I mentioned is that Buffalo is their only Eastern Division opponent. So it was okay to lose that game, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, for the purpose of, um, you know, Mac play. But now that, the next five – now the warm-up well, game. Yeah. But now the next five games are, are within the division. And so you can kind of, uh, you know, put last week's game aside and start focusing on the division – and, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the first test. That's what's really tough about this schedule uh, that, you know, NIU drew is you've got a team that, uh, uh, you know, is going to likely win the MAC championship, if Northern doesn't, of course, but uh, a team that, that's odds-on favorite to win it in Buffalo. Then you have last year's Western Division champs in your first two games. So uh, this is going to show or go a long way to show what uh, potential this team might have. Tough schedule, and thankfully, their first two games are going to be at home. This the last of a, a two-game home stretch, and then they've only got one more home game this year. And they're going to look to get their first win against the defending division champions. That's going to be on Wednesday night, Veterans Day, at Husky Stadium. For Mike Knapp, I'm James Krause. Thanks again for joining us on the Red Black Football Podcast. We will talk to you next week about everything going on in NIU football. All right. Check it. Now this is the law of the jungle. Oh, the truth as the